Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, October tenth, twenty twenty three, and even though we started a little bit later. It is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What is going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Having a great start to the week. Busy weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. We had UFC Vegas 80. We had Bobby Green pulling off the... Big upset against Grant Dawson. Just ethers him in 33 seconds. What a performance from Bobby Green. Joe Pfeiffer was being Joe Pfeiffer. Good, solid card. Not the worst, not the best, but it was an apexy apex card if there ever was one. And then a few hours down the road, we had Bellator 300. No surprise, all three... Champions retain their titles in pretty uncompetitive fights, honestly. Liz Carmouche and Lima Lane McFarlane was somewhat competitive, but that wasn't even really a fight. It was just a glorified sparring session, if we're being honest. But Lima Lane McFarlane had a knee injury heading in, as they said on the broadcast. Liz Carmouche landed some leg kicks. Liz could have ended that fight at any time, but she didn't. Kind of let Alima hang hang around a little bit. It was just a sparring fight. It was not a good one. It's one of the worst title fights in Bellator history, if we're being honest. But it's kind of what we should have expected when you have two friends and teammates battling it out, especially one with an injury and one, that same fighter, missing weight pretty badly. Chris Cyborg just annihilates Katzenganu. That fight went the way most expected it to. I did have kind of like weird vibey, weird vibes when it came to that fight, but didn't matter because Chris just annihilated her. And then Usman Nurmagomedov just kind of played around with Brent Primus for 25 minutes, tried some new things, just kind of got bored with stuff. It just, he just got bored and just annihilated him. Even Brent Primus is like, man, nothing I could do to that guy. And he's super good. Usman Nurmagomedov, his ceiling just continues to get higher and higher. It's going to be real interesting to see where he goes. I really would love to see the Shabli fight. Should he get past Patricky Pitbull? And I really expect him to. And I really want to see that fight. 
Because if Usman just runs over Shabley, like, I don't think you can really doubt him anymore because Shabley's really, really good. And then from that point, I kind of want to see Usman just go to the UFC. If TFL does absorb Bellator and they're like, okay, we'll give you the option. You could stay with us and make this much money or you can go and be a free agent. Usman fighting some of those lightweights right now in the UFC would be incredible. It would be incredible. So that's Bellator 300. We get UFC Vegas 81 coming up on Saturday. Main event, Sadiq Yusuf versus Edson Barbosa. We've got the Misfits Boxing Prime events with KSI and Tommy Fury, which no one's really talking about. And then we got Logan Paul versus Dylan Danis, fight everybody's talking about. And I look, you can love this stuff or you can hate it. At the end of the day, come Saturday, this is going to be the most talked about event of the weekend. And it's not even going to be close. It's not even going to be close. So if you're one of those people that's just like, oh, stop with the influencer boxer shit, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like this is what everyone's going to be talking about come Saturday. It's just the way that it is. And honestly, I, I'm somewhat intrigued by it, but I think there's a big part of me that's excited for it because I just want it to be done. Like, I just want this Dylan Dennis logan Paul fight to be over. I just want it to be a thing of the past. We'll talk about it for a couple more days, and then we can just move on with our lives. But I, I'm really intrigued. I, I don't know why. Call me a weirdo. Call me what you will. But that's where I'm at. So we're going to take some calls in a minute. It's been a weird day, my friends. We had some internet issues earlier. This morning, now normally during the week, especially when my kid has school, I do the 8 a.m. CrossFit class. But because my kid had a doctor's appointment today and my wife was going to take him to the doctor's appointment, so he was going to be late for school, I was like, I'm going to go to the 6.30 class instead. So I go to the 6.30 class. It's just one of those workouts where it's just like, oh, this sucks. Because it's like you have 20 minutes and you have to do a 1,000-meter run, a 100-calorie row, and then 40 strict pull-ups in 20 minutes. And it doesn't seem like a lot when I say it, but it's a lot. It's a pain in the ass. And the way they describe it is like you could do it and partition it however you want. So I was like, I'm going to do 100-meter run, um, 10-calorie row, and then four pull-ups. And I was going to do 10 sets of that. And then I just was like, by the time I got to the eighth set, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to finish this all and get it done. By the time I got done... Workout's over, did it in like just under over 19 minutes, and I just kind of like follow the ground and take my deep breaths. And all of a sudden, I just feel this like furry, smelly, shivering fur like on my nose. And I'm like, what the hell is that? I thought it was like a spider, like a big ass spider. It is South Carolina, so it's not, it could be a thing. And then I look up, and it is like the miniature version of my dog Shiloh. And it's just, he's just shivering and he's dirty and he's frightened and he's just like laying on me. And I'm like, what the frig is happening right now? Cause we usually leave the, the door of the gym open. So he lays on top of me and I'm just like, what is happening right now? And then he kind of runs around and like sees everybody, but then just kind of ends up back hanging out with me. And then he just runs out the door and I'm like, all right, maybe he's just, going out for a stroll and now he's going back home. And then we're doing like, we're practicing 
being upside down for like handstand pushups and stuff. We're just drilling that stuff. And I go upside down on the wall and I feel the wet nose just kind of get me on the neck again. I'm like, Oh, it's the freaking dog again. So we go and dogs just like shivering or whatever. So one of the girls that's in the class is like, well, I'll just, I'll just take them like to a shelter or something. She's like, I'm going to bring them home and I'll bring them to a shelter. And she like lived with their parents. I took a picture and I sent it to my wife and she calls me and she's like, bring them home. I'm like, but it's not ours. And like, I think she might go home with this other girl. He goes, well, if she doesn't take them, like, just bring them home. And I was like, okay. Walk over to her car and she's just like, I can't bring them home. I'm like, all right, we'll bring them. So now the dog hops in the car and then doesn't sit in any of the seats. He jumps to like with the, like the little top shelf in the back of like a full-size car where the window is and just like snuggle himself up there for like 30 seconds. And then he just comes over as I'm driving and just jumps on my lap and just like falls asleep in my lap for the rest of the ride home. Like, Oh my God, we're going to get a second dog. Aren't we bring this dog in? My other dog's like freaking out. Doesn't really understand what's going on. So now I have like one dog on one side of me. I have another dog on the other side of me. One's laying on the floor. One's laying on the couch. If one dog comes over and wants to be pet, the other dog has to come over and be pet. If a neighbor is walking down the street and one dog sees them, they both sit next to each other and bark. It's like they've known each other their whole lives. It's craziness. This has been, and then it's just been a day. And then we're going to take him to the vet later and see if he's chipped or anything like that. If not, then Apparently, I'm going to have two dogs after the end of the day today. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And now I'm turning the show over to you guys. Uh, we will start with uh, Omer or Omer. Go right ahead. You are muted. Hey, uh, how are you doing, man? Good. How are you? Pretty good. It's pretty cool morning. I got a cat pretty recently too. Um, I just found her like in like a church parking lot, so that was pretty cool. Um, Good. Anyways, uh, talking about UFC. Um, so on, uh, I don't know if you saw the interview, Suragon's interview with Ariel Hawani, but he sounded really disinterested in the Tom Aspinall fight. Um, and I and I, I didn't see that he was too keen on the Sergey's. Um, Pavlovich fight too and saying that he wants to like fight for the title and this and that um and he doesn't really want to like fight someone down in the rankings and like from being a UFC fan for a couple of years now I'm, I'm not like an OG but um I think that's like one of the worst all-time moves I've ever seen and I don't in no world do I see like Surogan being thrown into another title fight again even if both John and um Stipe retire so I was just wondering what your thoughts were on, like, um, Cyril not wanting to take either of those fights. Because I think, like, the only other fight he'll be given that's even, like, sort of close to the title is um, Jalton Almeida. Um, I think if he wins, he'll fight um, Cyril But um, I, just, I just don't understand the logic at all because I don't think there's, like, any world. Unless, like, someone gets hurt and he's, like, a backup fighter and that's what he's going for or something. Because I think if both John and Stipe retire, it's going straight to Tom Aspinall and Sergey for the vacant belt. Um, so I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. And then um, 
if you've heard anything about the in uh, the reason why Peter Yan pulled out, um, that'd be good to hear about too. I know it was an injury, but I don't know um, how long or what it was. Um, but yeah, that's all. I hope you have a good day. Thanks for letting me uh, chime in. No problem, man. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before. It's zero gun. I, I don't understand what he's trying to do because, I mean, look, I'm not saying he's like completely out of the title picture right now because he could just find his way in. You never know. Now, one of the things that could have helped zero gun is out of the question now because if Curtis Blades beat Jelton Almeida, Zero might have had a shot at getting in there. He might have. But now, Curtis Blades is out, Derek Lewis is in, and Jelton Almeida is probably going to annihilate Derek Lewis. It is not going to be a, a fun night for Derek Lewis. Jelton's going to take him down once and tap him, and that's going to be it. Now, could Derek Lewis go out there and knock him out? Yeah, maybe. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Jelton's eventually going to get his paws on him. He's going to drag Derek Lewis to the ground. He's going to strangle him and he's going to win. And at that point, Jelton Almeida jumps over Cyril Gon because you can't penalize Jelton Almeida for fighting the fight that he has to get, has to fight now. It's not his fault. Curtis Blades got hurt. He was willing to fight Curtis Blades in a main event fight. Curtis couldn't make it. Derek Lewis stepping in. Jelton smushes him. They'll probably do Jelton versus Pavlovich for the vacant title. And then Cyril Gunn's going to have to fight Tommy Aspinall anyway. So don't really understand the strategy. Didn't understand it then. Certainly don't understand it now. Now, if you don't want to fight Tom Aspinall, I get it. Like, you could be – like, I'm okay with that. If he's like, no, Tom, not fighting you. You beat Marcin Tybora. So, no, I'm not fighting you. But if he at least said, hey, Sergey Pavlovich, I'll fight you – that's different. But now he's just like, no, I want the title shot. No. You got to be a little more, got to be a little better with that. To answer your other question, uh, as we said on this show a couple of weeks ago, um, I don't know anything about Piotr Jan's injury. And the reason why is because that fight was never, ever done. It wasn't even close to being done. Now, I saw the reports and everyone's like, this is happening. Um, the fight was never done. It was never, ever done. Penn never went to paper. Nothing. It was reported from somebody that it was, a, that it was happening. And as I said the next day, I was told that it's not happening. That it wasn't happening at all. Not saying that it couldn't, but at the time when that report came out, and even before, because on this show, someone had said, oh, there's rumors that Piotr Jan's going to fight Song Yudong. And I believe on this show, I actually got a response saying no. And then that other report came out that got traction. And I reached out to the source again. And he said, no, it's not happening. So I don't know what the injury is. There, there was no pullout because the fight wasn't a thing. Was it? Here's what I'll tell you. It was offered to one side. They said, Okay. And then that's it. That's pretty much all it was. It never got past that. Never an official agreement on the table. Uh, never contract sent out and signed. Fight was never a thing. That's why I preach the golden rule, my friends. If it's not on the website, it's not a thing. 
And you would think that a fight of that magnitude headlining a card like that would make our website if it was real. But it wasn't. So there you go. Another lesson in the golden rule, my friends. Uh, let's go to Henry. Henry, go ahead. Hey, Mike. What's up, man? Yeah, man. Um, I just uh, found myself hearing your voice a lot of the time, to be honest. During the Marab interview on the MMA Hour, MMA Hour last week, there was a lot of deserved and, uh, you know, meritocracy and stuff like that. And he, uh, he was just poo-pooing the idea of the Cheeto fight, which I don't know whether he's just trying to really relay his point to get his title short or whether or not. Uh, he's just being deluded about the fact that he thinks he just deserves it. Um, also, speaking of guys that think they deserve title shots, which most people do as well, uh, Bilal Mohammed, he said he'd only take championship money for an Usman fight. How realistic do you think that is? Because I think he's barking up the wrong tree there. And also, uh, Usman Nurmagomedov, I think he just murks everyone in PFL if the merger happens, uh, OAM. It's probably the biggest challenge, but I'd rather see him in the UFC. Just your thoughts on him and his future. And yeah, that's it, man. I'm incredibly high on Usman Ramagamadoff. I think it was on the preview show heading into the weekend where Shaheen had asked me if, when it was pretty much like when Usman beats Brad Primus, like what do you want to see next for him? And I think we all want to see the Shabley fight if Shabley beats Pitbull. And I think he will. I want to see that fight. Like, honestly, there's no other fight in Bellator that interests me with Us involving Us. Well, maybe AJ McKee, but I kind of feel like we well, we still could get it. AJ McKee beats Sydney Outlaw, and Usman wins the Grand Prix, and they're still doing stuff. Like, I will watch that. Um, and I would watch a Shabley fight. That's like it. There's nothing else. Usman is a minus 1,500 favorite at minimum against every single other guy he could fight. So I want to see Usman Ramagamadov versus Armin Sarukian at some point. Like that is now a fight I think we could get. And it wasn't realistic a year ago. It's probably a little more realistic now. I want to see that fight. I want to see that fight at some point. 1,000%. Um, the the Marab thing, look, Marab's not wrong. He does deserve it. He does deserve the title shot. Blah Muhammad absolutely deserves a welterweight title shot. But that doesn't mean anything. It means nothing in the UFC. Now, if this was Bellator, both of those guys would be getting ready for title shots. For sure. But this is not Bellator. This is not the PFL. This is not even one championship. This is the business of making money. This is a company, the UFC, that is worth like almost $10 billion. They know what they're doing in terms of putting butts in seats and driving revenue. Marab isn't the guy. Bilal Muhammad isn't the guy. They're not. They're not. You got to do something else. You got to do something else. Now, if I'm Bilal, like I said on this program a few weeks back before this thing was even a thing – I said he kind of had to fight Kamara Usman. Like, that's it. That is what he has to do. He has to fight again. The only thing he can hope for if he doesn't take the Usman fight is that Leon Edwards beats Colby and Leon calls for him. Other than that, Bilal ain't getting the title shot unless he wins another fight. 
The Gilbert Burns fight, I hated it. Not the fight. I hated the timing of it. It made no sense to be on UFC 288. No sense. Absolutely no sense. That fight meant nothing at the time. Because Colby and Leon was not even on the books yet. None of that mattered. It was just a coddled together. The fight didn't sell an extra pay-per-view. It didn't put in, it didn't sell an extra ticket. It was just there. Wow, look at how tough these guys are. Gilbert just turned around on three weeks' notice after beating Mazadal. And Bilal's taking this fight on two weeks' notice. Like it's cool and it's great. And it's a good win for Bilal, but Gilbert Burns gets banged up because he didn't have to take this fight. And then Bilal wins a fight that like means nothing because it's five, six months later, and there is no movement in this division at all. None. Absolutely none. So I honestly think Bilal is going to have to – he's going to have to fight Kamara Usman. And I know he said he wants championship money and all of that. Uh, he's just going to – if that fight happens, it's probably a fight night main event, so he will get more money. And as I said a few weeks back, just December 2nd, do it in Austin. Make that the main event. Perfect. Done. Bilal wins, almost undeniable. He still needs Leon to win. Because if Colby wins the belt, I don't think Bilal's ever getting a title shot unless it's an interim one because Colby just got to go after Islam or go after Connor or go after some of these bigger names. But I think it would be uh, in the best interest of Bilal Muhammad to fight Kabar Usman, just like I think it would be in the best interest of Marab Dawalishvili to fight Henry Cejudo. I know Cejudo is saying, hey, I'm, I'm supposedly fighting in January. If I am Marab, I'm jumping all over that fight. I am calling everybody that needs to be called and saying, hey, I will go to Toronto and fight Henry Cejudo. Let's go. And that's a million percent what he should do. Because Cheeto Vera is getting the Sean O'Malley fight. Marab deserves the title shot more than Cheeto does. I think we can all agree with that. But Sean O'Malley, Cheeto Vera can headline a pay-per-view and it will do really, really well. There you go. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, let's go to CV. J-Mac, you're on deck. CV, go ahead. Yo, Mike, uh, just two quick questions for me. Um, just first question, not really a question, but yeah, I just want to get more of your thoughts on uh, Bobby Green's uh, win uh, from Saturday. And um, I know you said one of your odd note picks was Matus Gamrat, but um, yeah, uh, he seems like a pretty fun fighter right now. Um, you can go do a lot of uh, potential fun matchups. Um, I was listening to Morning Combat uh, yesterday, and um, uh, BC suggested um, Holloway moving up to 55 and fighting Bobby Green. Um, seems like a good idea to me. And um, also, um, another question, uh, not related, but uh, what are you planning uh, to name your new dog? Thanks. So, Bobby Green, I mean, dude, Bobby Green is a freaking man. That was awesome. Like, that was crazy. And I kind of saw it coming, like, as the fight began, because Grant Dawson was just throwing a bunch, like, a bunch of haymakers. And I'm looking at Bobby Green's face, and Bobby Green's face just told me, like, oh, boy, I'm, I'm about to knock this guy out. I thought Grant was just going to come in, maybe throw a couple jabs and just immediately take him down. And then Grant won, like Grant seemed like he was okay just standing there striking with him. Not, look, I know the fight only lasts 33 seconds. I get it. But it just seemed like Grant was like, all right, I'm going to prove – I'm going to be out here trying to prove something that I can stand with this guy. And then he just got lamped with one shot. It was, it was incredible. I just – like I didn't even scream. I stood up in my office by myself, and I just went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I sat down and was like, wow, that was crazy. Look, at Max Holloway, like, I, I don't think it's the Holloway fight, man. Like, I like it. I like it, and I would love to see it. But now is not the time, man. Bobby Green is in a weird – is in a very interesting position right now. We've been talking about Bobby Green for almost three years now on MMA Fighting. When it comes to guys who are wily veterans that people like – that want to see get shot up the rankings and maybe get to a title fight, like Mazadal did in 2018, 2019, and that run that he had, Bobby Green is like the guy. Bobby Green is the guy. If there was ever going to be another lightning in a bottle, late career, surge of superstardom, maybe to a title fight, anywhere in the sport that could mimic what Mazadal did, it's coming from Bobby Green. And him going out there and lamping a guy like Grant Dawson, who everybody was so high on as a future title challenger, and to do that in 33 seconds, like you gotta throw, you gotta push this man to the moon right now because it's a very interesting spot that Bobby's in. Because if you push him to the moon and he gets there, like he is a freaking superstar. And if he doesn't get there, like, who cares? Then you can fight the Max Holloways. Then you can fight the Dustin Poirier's of the world like in a tail end of the career kind of a fight. But right now, you have an opportunity with Bobby Green to build a superstar. I think you just got to take your shot here, man. I think you got to take your shot. Now, if you want to do Dan Hooker, fine. Get it. 
I saw Hinata Moicano call out and, and say a bunch of stuff. I think Hinata Moicano has less than a 0% chance of getting that fight. I like Hinata Moicano a lot. I love his personality. He had one of the best promos I had ever seen after one of his recent wins. He's a good fighter. He's been around a, a little bit. Love the guy. Love Money Moicano. But he just ain't there. He ain't there. So for Bobby, it's Dan Hooker. I say it's the Gamrot fight. Just give him to him and just see what happens. And if Bobby Green goes out there and does the same thing to a guy like Gamrot, then you give him a number one contender fight, and then he fights for the belt in his next fight. Just give it to him. Just go with him. See what happens. And if he loses, who cares? Then we can still do these other fun fights. But right now you have an opportunity with Bobby Green. I think you got to take it. If we get the Dan Hooker fight, I ain't going to complain about it. But Gamrot, who is the backup for the title fight, who did not fight for very long against Raphael Fazeev, is ready to fight in December? Do it. Do it. That's what I want to see. And if Gamrot isn't ready, not good. Bobby Green fights Dan Hooker, beats Dan Hooker. He jumps over Batush Gamrot. That's how the UFC is going to do the business here. So, big moment for Bobby Green. Could be a game-changing moment for him. But he's going to get a big fight next. He's either going to get Dan Hooker or he's going to get Matush Gamrot next. So, well done. As far as the little dog goes, I don't know. I'm not naming him yet because I don't want to get too attached. Um, we have Shiloh. My son wants to name the little dog Milo. I don't love it, for being honest. Too confusing. I think it's too easy to just rhyme the dog names. But he does look like Shadow's little brother, which is nuts. So maybe we'll go with Milo. I don't know. But I don't want to get too attached. I don't want to get that far just yet. Uh, J-Mac, go ahead. J-Mac, are you there? Uh, it's not going through. All right, try again, J-Mac. I'll get you right in. Do we have you, J-Mac? Uh, I was just curious. Do you think maybe Grant Dawson cuts too much weight? Like, I know he's missed weight before, and I know he got hit clean by Bobby Green Saturday, but it looked like a punch that a lot of people probably could have taken. I might be way off, but just your thoughts on that thing. Um, I don't know, man. I thought that when he cut to 45, because that dude is a featherweight for a hot minute. So I actually thought lightweight was perfect for him. Maybe it's not – I don't think he does well at welterweight at all. So I kind of think it's like 55 or bust for him. Um, and who knows? Bobby Green – like, look, Bobby Green gets a lot of credit, man. Like, I, I the, the whole thing with uh, the, the – the, I'm not going to call it a ceremonial weigh-in, but the face-off there on Friday after the weigh-ins, Bobby Green was – like, Grant Dawson was like a little rattled by that. He's like, What? What are you so mad about? Oh, I know you're a nice guy. I know you're a nice guy. Grant, like, I don't think Grant, like, could fathom what was happening. And then before the fight started, Grant goes over and does, like, the handshake and puts the fist down. Bobby Green's like, no, we're not doing that. I don't think Grant was ready for that. There's a lot to that. But Bobby Green just handled this thing so well. It was just, it was, a ma it was magic. It was magic. It was, like, meant to be. It was craziness. But maybe. I mean, only Grant knows the answer to that. But I don't think he's cutting too much 55. He's definitely cutting too much to get to 45. 
And I don't know if I don't know if one seventy is a good spot for him. So I kind of think it's fifty five or bust. Uh, J Mac, do we have you? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, there was something wrong with my connection. Oh, good. Um, but the reason I was calling, I was calling about this Paula Costa injury. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what, how can you fight five weeks after a surgery against one of the best guys in the world in grappling? It just doesn't seem to make much sense. But then Paula Costa never did make much sense. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And do you think that uh, they will – uh, scheduled Bobby Green versus uh, Dan Hooker in December since they both seem to want the fight and Bobby just coming off a big huge knockout and I think that would be that'd be a nice violent fight to cap off a, an event in December uh, thanks Mike appreciate it I I hope so look Bobby Green needs to fight in December Bobby Green wants to fight in December he fights in December and you do it against somebody that is you you put him up against the highest ranked available opponent for sure. Even if like, if something happens, cause look, there's, I know there's chatter about, um, Sarukian versus Dariush. I know some of the initial reports were, I think Dariush is on Luke Thomas's live chat and said December 16th. I'm told that's not the date they're looking at right now. Um, they're looking at something maybe sooner. Maybe a main event for one of the two fight night cards, but it, none of that stuff. Like, it looks like that's the fight we're going to get. We just don't know when at this point. So, but let's just say something happens. Like, let's say something happens. Sarukian gets banged up. Darius is an opponent. It's Bobby Green. Like, it's Bobby Green. That's the fight you're making. On the flip side, something happens to Darius. Bobby Green fights Sarukian. Like, you give him the highest-ranked available fu- fighter in December. That's how I would do it. And if it happens to be Dan Hooker, fine. Totally fine. I'm, I'm totally down for that. The Costa thing... <laughs> I'm going to... Look, it's weird. I was kind of... I don't even know how to like what word I'm trying to use here. There is a story about this fight that I am well aware of that I can't really talk about just yet. Um, And maybe I will after 294. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. But yeah, very weird. Um, Looks like the fight's going to happen. And that's it. But after 294, I'll tell you a story about what happened. I don't know if it was two or three weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. Like on Thursday, two weeks. No, three weeks prior to that. It was a very weird day, my friends. Um, And I will tell you. After 294, about that day, there was like a 36-hour stretch, mostly on that Thursday, where things got super weird, uh, and I'll tell you all about it, but I can't talk about it now. I was, I was thinking about it, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till after 294 to tell this story. It was a big scramble fest, but hey, kudos to Paul Acosta, man. 
dude wants to fight. You could see it in his face that he's super confident he could beat Hamzat Shabayev. I do feel like this fight's going to be if Paulo is ready to go and he's healthy and this whole thing doesn't weigh him down too much. I think this is more competitive than people think it's going to be. I really do. So we'll see. I'm glad we're getting this. I'm still glad we're getting it. But I'll tell you, the Tuesday after 294, I will tell you this story about this fight and some of the other shenanigans that happened along the way. Um, and it's pretty wild. I think you guys are going to be kind of shocked by it. But we'll get to it uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, Daniel, go ahead. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Got you. Perfect, perfect. Well, uh, heck of a morning to you. Just had a couple questions for you. I'll make it quick. Um, just curious what you think the ceiling is for Joe Pfeiffer. Um, obviously, just getting finish after finish here. He's looking pretty good in there. Um, next one is just there have been so many upsets lately in main events. I mean, obviously, just the, the, the two biggest ones off the top of my mind are Sean O'Malley and Sean Strickland. And shoot, now we got Bobby Green 30 seconds. So I'm just curious, you know, uh, out of these next underdogs, who do you think has the biggest chance of pulling off an upset before the end of the year? Uh, Oliveira, Derek Lewis, or Miocic? Um, and then last one I got for you is just last Contender Series episode tonight. Just what do you think about tonight's lineup? Thanks, Mike. Um, biggest upset opportunity. Let me take a gander here. I mean, just hearing the names. Let's see. Islam minus 340. Charles Oliveira plus 270. Stipe plus 310 to John Jones minus 395. And then Leon is a slight favorite over Colby. I, do, I feel like Colby's going to be the favorite by the time those two guys fight because that line just keeps coming in on Colby. Um, probably Stipe, honestly. I don't know why I feel that way. Because I, I, I feel like Jelton's just going to smush Derek Lewis. And I just feel like Islam's going to beat Oliveira. But if Oliveira wins, like, I would be more emotionally shocked if Stipe won more than Charles Oliveira winning. So I'll say Stipe... Because this is that just kind of fits into the year that we've been having. John Jones comes back after all this time, wins the heavyweight title, doesn't get the Francis fight. Francis leaves. Jones gets a cre- gets a quick submission win over Cyril Gon where he barely broke a sweat. Says, "I ain't fighting any of these killers. Give me Stipe or I'm done. This is probably my last fight." And then if Stipe beats him, oh my god, that would kind of fit right in, would it not? So I'll go with Stipe. I will go with Stipe. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. 
and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Four Corner Sports. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. Um, Question. So I was, I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but I saw Elias Aporia and he ended up announcing on on a Spanish uh, TV show that he's fighting Volkanovski. Or is that confirmed with, on your end or not? Uh, just because I think he had the interview, I think, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. And then, uh, what's it called? Um, Joaquin Buckley. Um, is he on the rise as possibly being a top 15 um, fighter? I will tell because... It looks a whole lot better at welterweight as opposed to middleweight. So, just thought he had a really good performance against Alex Morono. All right. Thanks, Mike. Um, so, we talked about Volk and Taporia a couple weeks ago on the show. Told you that that's the targeted fight for the January pay-per-view. Um, looked like that's the direction everybody wanted to go. Just a dotted in the I's, crossing the T's kind of a thing. Uh, I guess, you know, talking to some people – and just kind of going through everything. I think Taporia said in that interview that as far as he knows, that's the fight the UFC wants. There's some other, there's some things that need to be ironed out, but he expects to fight Volkanovski January 20th. And he's not really wrong based on where I'm at. Uh, the conversations I had, I reached out to some sources as well, <clears throat> asked if anything had changed over the last couple of weeks. Um, I was told by sources, both sides have agreed to it. It's just a matter of getting pen to paper at this point. So unless something, and I'm not like reporting this first cause there's already been reports about it. Um, basically what I was told is like, looks like we have a fight, but contracts have not been signed. It's not a hundred percent done or anything like that, but I would be, I would be shocked if that fight doesn't happen January 20th for the featherweight title, I'd be shocked at this point. Uh, you mentioned Buckley. The last caller mentioned Joe Pfeiffer. Uh, Buckley's great at 170. He's great at 170. I didn't love the post-fight promo from Buckley, if we're being honest. I was fine, but I wasn't like blown away by it. Uh, I don't think he's going to get a main event next. I actually think Joe Pfeiffer is a better chance of getting a main event next. If you're asking me, um, but Buckley looks good at 170. My on to the next one pick was a uh, was a crystal ball pick because I think we're not Fakratinov is going to beat Eliza Zaleski, and now I think we kind of have to do Joaquin Buckley versus we're not 2024. <clears throat> and Joe Pfeiffer, he nailed it, man. He's trying to get me an Otno point. He said 
I said on to the next one, give him the loser of the Brendan Allen, Paul Craig main event, November 18th. Joe Piper said, hey, Brendan Allen's going to put the beat down on Paul Craig, and I'm going to fight him. So, yeah, I want to see that for Joe Piper next. I need to see a fringe top 15 opponent. Let's see what he can do. Because he's just ethering these guys that are, like, in the top 25 to 30. I mean, what he did to Gerald Mearshart, a lot of people ain't doing that to Gerald Mearshart. A lot of people high on Andre Petrovsky, he didn't do that to Gerald Mearshart. It's very tough to do that to that guy. And Joe Pfeiffer freaking did it. So, I'm high on him. I'm high on him. But now it's time, let's, let's, let's give him a test and see what he can do. Uh, Mikey, go ahead. When, uh, so, like, I know this may not, quote-unquote, make sense, but, like, I feel like, maybe rightfully so, the chatter about where Michael Venom Page is supposed to be going kind of died after Paris. We haven't heard it, not Paris, uh, you know, the last UK card that they did. And if, when or if he does sign with the UFC, I mean, throwing him in there right against either Usman or Bilal sounds like, you know, sounds like a good idea to me. And as far as Joaquin, like I know Joaquin is not going to get the main event, but who do you think he should get next? You know what I mean? And also the Bellator card, kind of interesting how they're deciding that they're going to book Liam McCourt and Cyborg next with all the supposed stuff going on with Bellator and the PFL. So give me your thoughts on that if you get a chance. And um, yeah, as usual, you got one there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Yeah, Cyborg McCourt, sure. I mean, come on. I got the little pop. Now he won't come inside. Come on. Come on. Sorry. Come on, try and do a live show here. All right, do what you got to do. Anyways, um, yeah, we'll get Cyborg McCourt. Like, look, Chris doesn't have to fight any of – she doesn't have to fight Kayla. She doesn't fight anybody. She can, she's not going to make an extra dollar more fighting any of these women. She was the highest paid fighter on Bellator 300. I think it was somewhere in the 300,000 range. I bet she made more than that all in. Um, so, yeah, she's just going to fight McCourt. Like, that's it. Um, and it seems like, I mean, from conversations I had, if this deal goes through, like, I think eventually it all become one thing, but I think it's going to be separate for at least a little while. So we could see that in Dublin. I think, uh, Cyborg had mentioned maybe doing it in Japan. I got no issue with that. If they want to do like a Bellator rise on New Year's Eve type of situation where, we do that and we get like Bellator title fights in Japan. Like that's fine with me. We're not going to have Chris for much longer. So let's just kind of enjoy what we get. MVP. He ain't getting new center ball, man. Like he's just not, he's just not the UFC. Like I, MVP is over. Like people know who he is, but he's not a star. Like he's not a big star. He's just, he's not. He's not a big, huge superstar. He ain't where Chandler was when he came over. You know what I mean? Like, everybody knew Michael Chandler was. I don't think MVP is that. I really don't. Chandler was a former world champion. He fought some, beat some big names. 
Like MVP's got some decent wins, but I mean, if you're throwing him in there with Usman or Bilal, like why would you do that? Because he's just gonna get tackled and sat on for 15 minutes. Like he's gonna probably lose both of those fights. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what MVP's gonna do, and I've talked about this before. It all depends on what MVP wants. If he wants the bag, then he ain't going to the UFC because he's not going to get the bag with the UFC. But if he wants legacy fights, if he wants to try to be the best fighter in the world, then he'll go to the UFC, and the bag doesn't matter. But I kind of think he's going to get the bag. And that screams to me that he'll either stay with Bellator, go to PFL, and go be part of that absorption, or he'll do the influencer boxing thing or do BKFC. So, yeah. That's what I think. Hang on one second. Got to get this little dog back inside. Where did he go? Come on. Sorry. Come on. You got to come inside. Appreciate you guys with the patience and staying with me. Carrying this little baby dog down the streets. It's been a day, my friends. It's been a day. Okay, come on in. Come on in. All right, you get down. I got two dogs jumping on me. All right, you sit here. There you go. Jeez Louise. All right, we move on. We got both dogs in the house. We're fine. Hand up, go ahead. Wow, what a week we're going to have if I connect on the first try. <laughs> What's up? I mean, we have endless possibilities now, Mike. Um, I'll be quick. Got two for you. One, um, yeah, very interesting what we saw yesterday. It looks like Derek Lewis versus Jonathan Almeida. Derek Lewis is a master in stand-up jiu-jitsu. However, um, with that being said, he hasn't grappled anybody to the level of Jonathan Almeida. So I'm sure he's not just going to be able to get up as he you know, tends to do. Secondly, Derek Lewis doesn't really have a neck. You know what I mean? So how, do, how, how does he sell Derek Lewis? I guess, I guess, you know, tune in and find out. Um, secondly, what in the world is going on in the Paul Acosta camp? Like, I think that line is now minus 400 and climbing. Like, if this surgery is true and that's, like, actual news, I mean, Hamza round two ragdolling? Like, this guy barely even had a camp then if this guy's recovering from a surgery. Like, what what are we doing here with this? But... What do I know? I'm just a panda. Have a day, Mike. I mean, I don't think at the end of the day, like it doesn't really matter who wins this fight because they're just probably going to end up getting Sean Strickland anyways. And the UFC is looking at this fight like we win either way. Either we're going to get Hamza Shamaya fighting for the belt or we're going to get Paul Acosta fighting for the belt against Sean Strickland. So either way, I think the UFC's fine with this. Um, but like I said, there's more to this story. Um, and I'll tell you, in a couple of weeks, when this is all over and this fight happens and it all goes down, I will tell you what happened. Maybe I'll tell you on the watch party after the fight ends. Maybe I'll give you something to, something to finagle here. But yeah, I will tell you the story. It was, it was pretty crazy. But yeah, minus 360 for Shabayev right now on DraftKings. Paul Costa comes back at plus 285. There you go. Oh, someone asked about Contender Series. Let me see. Let me pull up the lineup. I know there's six fights. 
Tavares versus Romeos. We got Zanidim versus Lima. Connor Matthews, obviously I'm familiar with him. Uh, fighting Jair Farias. Torres Finney. If you listen to this show after... What was it? Da, 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 da. It was August of 2022. Uh, I watched Torres Finney fight live for the first time. This was at Icon FC 4 in Savannah, Georgia. I believe this is the first like MMA event that Jorge Mazadal put on. Like not the not the bare knuckle stuff. Um but just actual, like, just a straight-up MMA event. Like, Icon was something else, but this is, like, the, the first time that Mazadal did, like, an actual MMA event. Uh, and I saw Torres Finney. This dude is a fucking tank, man. He is a frigging tank. He's 5'7". He probably walks about 220. He's a middleweight. He is a freak, dude. This dude is a freak of nature an incredible athlete super explosive and a gas tank that is just insane man like he is something else this dude is a monster uh i like him a lot he absolutely wrecked justin dorsey first round finish then i saw him fight again two months later in the same venue Against a 5 and one fighter. Now, this one wasn't like what I saw the first time around. This was a guy who kind of had an off night. But still, just poor Ivan Botnich just got picked up and slammed like a thousand times and punched in the face a million times. And then finally, like late in the third round, Torres like, oh, I only got a minute left in the fight. I'm going to finish him. And he did. This dude's real good. So I'm excited to see what he can do against Yuri Panferov tonight. Yuri's always obviously a, a really solid hand himself. Uh, I've seen Yuri a bunch. Fought for CES a whole bunch of times. Good fighter. Slick on the ground. Really good submission artist. Really good grappler. He's not a tremendous striker, striker but he's not bad. Finney's just an athletic freak, man. So this is going to be super interesting because Finney's going to just body slam this dude a whole bunch. But it's just a matter of like who who will have the advantages once it's on the ground. Can Penferov off of his back thwarts the absolute explosiveness of Torres Finney? I'm intrigued by that one. Super, super interesting fight. I really like Finney a lot. I like Connor Matthews as well. Lucas Roach is really good. Betancourt's good, but I know we had the weight miss in the last fight. It should be fun, man. But, guys, we're getting six contracts tonight. We're getting six. Maybe seven. This is it. We might even get eight contracts tonight. Who knows? Dude, we might get 12 contracts tonight. It's going to be one of those nights where we're like, okay, this is a fun season. I wish there was more. And then Dane is just going to give like seven contracts out. And we're like, what the fuck, dude? Like someone who won a lackluster decision is going to get a contract. And the dude who lost that fight is also going to get one. It's probably what's going to happen, guys. 
But yeah. It should be fun tonight. And then I'm kind of glad we're taking some time off from it. Uh, I was well, yeah. Yeah, what's up, man? So um, just have uh, just a few things I want to ask. I'll start off with the um, Usman Nurmagomedov. Um, just if you are a matchmaker and um, you want to, you know, you want to make the best fight possible in the lightweight division. Who, which fighter, which fighter would be your pick of choice to match up against uh, um, Usman? And if you also had maybe a favorite of yours, you would like to see Usman face up again. Who would that be? Um, I also just want to ask is there a reason why the UFC's stacking up 296 so much you know with all these big fights you know and you know rumors with like Arman Sarukian and Benio possibly being on that card I know you discussed it earlier it might not be on now but you know then we also have now Randy Jackson versus um Muslim Salikov that's confirmed I think apparently I saw MMA orbit I- I'm just curious is there a reason why UFC stacking this card rather than you know, spread it all out diversively, like kind of had to do with, you know, 290, 290 or like, you know, 288 and all that, you know, because I mean, obviously, I would say we were in a bit of a slumber as UFC fans for a while with pay-per-views, but I don't think we did very bad either. You know, there were some big highlights, you know, so I guess it depends. And I just one more thing, um, just regarding the Hamza and Costa, I think a lot of people really really truly overlooking Costa because he could really have the perfect fight style to really counter Hamza like uh, you know I remember you know just a few weeks ago when um, when Sean Strickland for Adesanya a lot of people kept saying oh Adesanya is going to knock this guy or beat his ass and I was you know a lot of fans including myself said hey eat your words because it's possible Sean will win and I believe this could be the same for Hamza, I'm not saying Hamza can't win. I think his best game plan chance is a ground the pound, very diverse multitude of grappling. And if he can utilize his right jab perfectly, like how he has done against Ikram, um, Gerald Mershaw, and some other fighters in the past, I think it'll work in his favor well. But my biggest um, concern with Hamza is his head movement because Costa can take advantage of that. I've seen some Costa's fight, you know. He's not Yoel Romero with a fucking titanium chin, you know. And another thing that is really interesting is, like, um, the gas tank, you know. So, yeah, that's all I have. Um, have a great day, man. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think people are overlooking Paul Costa. They really do. Um I'm not too worried about Hamzat's chin because Hamzat took a lot away from that Gilbert Burns fight. Yeah, I could stand a little bit, but I don't need to. I could just hoist dudes into the sky and slam them, and then once I do that, like the fight's over shortly thereafter. Um, but it is an interesting fight. It's going to steal the show. It's going to steal all the headlines. It's going to be the one that every by the time we get to Saturday, we're like, yeah, we're going to get a title fight, but everyone's going to be talking about Costa versus Shemaya. That's going to be the one. That's going to be the one. Why are they stacking 296? Because typically the year-end pay-per-view is like one of the big ones. Like Brian Campbell on BTL, I love what he says, and he says it on Morning Combat too, calls certain UFC events majors. Like the UFC has majors every year. It's like March, International Fight Week, 
Abu Dhabi, MSG, end of the year. Those are like, you have to expect that one of the, like most of these cards are going to be stacked up like crazy. Those are the ones they really like make it a point to stack. They kind of owe us for last year because last year was not good. Even if we got, I mean, we were supposed to get Yuri Glover 2 on that card, and I get it, but the rest of that card was not great on paper. We end up losing the, the Yuri fight. Jan and Goliath gets bumped up to the main event in a title fight. But that was kind of like a one-fight card. And it was kind of like, just we're like, ugh. Like, I love the main event, but this is not a typical December pay-per-view card. This one, kind of back to normal, and I think it's they're making up for, uh, for last year more than anything. So, yeah, that's what I think, and it's fine. And then January, looks like we're going to get Volkanovski to Poria, and I got to tell you, of all the fights that can be made right now, that one is one or two on my list. Can't wait for that fight. Cannot wait for that fight. Uh, we'll do Cole, then we'll go to four on Sniper, and then we gets to go. Cole, go ahead. Hi, Mike. Uh, I love your pick for Bobby Green with that Gamrot, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. But do you think it hurts Bobby that he didn't have a name ready and just – screamed it at the top of his lungs like I feel like that Gamera fight is something he gets if he just dominates it like Grant throughout five rounds but he goes out there and he lamps shout out to the word lamped love it thanks for bringing that back fucking lamps him fucking get on that mic and like conjure up some George Masvidal 2019 energy call out Dustin Poirier it's like I'm what you want on the co-main event of a pay-per-view like like, those two are just perfect for each other, but I mean, he's going to get a big fight either way. But I just like, do you think he it hurt himself, like, just to not have a name right off the bat? I know Brian Campbell kind of feels this way, but at least he set a date. But man, like, he didn't just, like, beat him. He wasn't just a dog and beat him. He fucking went out there and slept the guy. Like, he's a fight away from a title shot now. I mean, I know that's crazy, but, like, the word deserves is nowhere to be found these days in the UFC, man. Like, you go out there and you do something like that, shoot for the stars. And I just think it might have hurt him that he didn't. And uh, I think that dog came up to you at CrossFit because it sensed you had the dog in you. So, shout out AK Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, AK loves that. Loves that. Um, I don't know how I feel about this, honestly. I mean, I get where you and BC are coming from. And typically I'm the guy that says, Hey, like be interesting on the mic and say something that matters. And I have many times blasted Bilal Muhammad for being very bad at this. Like, oh, like one of the worst. at just misfiring. Bilal is a trier, but he's never gets it right. Like, so many times he should have called for Hamzat, and then he would call for the title shot, which is just like, no. And then I remember after Luke went, I'm like, do not call out Usman or Colby. Call out Hamzat. There's nobody else that you should be calling out right now. And what does he do? 
Cause out Usman and Colby. I'm like, golly, man. Golly. We've talked about some of the, the whiffs and all that. Could Bobby Green have called out Dustin Poirier? Sure. Do you think the reaction would have been great, though? To me, it would have been like, eh. Because I just don't see a world where Dustin's like, yeah, I'll fight him. I don't think Dustin looks at it that way. At least not right now. And you know what worked out for Bobby Green? Is that people came to him. And if that's what he thought was going to happen, then it was brilliant. Hanato Moicano starts making videos. Dan Hooker calls him out. Like, all of this. Like, they came to him. Bobby understands the position. Bobby's over. He doesn't... I mean, calling people out is great, but it's got to be a realistic call. Now, if he called out Gamrot, interesting. If he called out Dariush, interesting. I know he's linked to Sarukian, but if he called out one of those guys, that's like, huh, not bad. Not bad. But it almost kind of worked out they didn't call it anybody. He's got something here, man. Like I said, December, he's going to get the highest possible ranked guy that's available. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not dinging him for not having a name. Works out, worked out. Because he's going to have people knocking on his door. Hey, here, Mike. War on Sniper, go ahead. Yep, hey, heck of a morning. Uh, just real quick, two questions for you. I wanted to ask uh, how you scored the Vanessa Demopoulos and Kanako Murata fight. I saw a lot of uproar online about the scorecards. I'm assuming people thought Kanako did enough to win, especially in round two, where they both landed, I think it was nine significant strikes, and she had about four minutes in control time. Not a fight that you know truly matters or has a lot of stake behind it, but I was just curious how you scored that. And then also... Uh, who did you match make for Joaquin Buckley next? He looked great at 170. Hopefully he stays there for the next few fights at least. Uh, but yeah, that's it, Mike. Joaquin Buckley, I matched up um, Renat Fakratinov. I understand Fakratinov has a fight. He's fighting Eliza Zaleski November 4th. I think Fakratinov's going to win that fight. And I want to see what Joaquin Buckley's made of. He goes out there and beats Renat. Then, all right, we're cooking with gas. I think Renat's really good. I think Renat is a problem. And I think he's a guy that could be a top five welterweight, honestly. I'm, I like what I've seen from Buckley at 170. Do I look at him and say, yeah, this guy's going to be a top five guy? Not yet. But if he beats Renat, then I will change my mind. Good win against Alex Morono. That one surprised me. Not surprised he won, but I'm surprised that he made it look made it look as dominant and as easy as he did. So that's a really good step forward for me. Really good step forward. So we'll see. We'll see what he can do. But yeah, I want to test him. I want to see what he's made of. Throw him in there with Renat. He beats Renat. You got something. He can headline a card. He could fight a ranked dude. Might even be a top ten guy at some point. But yeah, that's the fight I want to see. Uh, last one, the YT Boxing Sir. I assume it's YouTube Boxing Sir. Are you there? Hello. You are muted. Are you hopping in? Guess not. Okay. 
Well, we're done then. Thank you very much. Appreciate you all. Um, it's going to be a, a day, friends. I will be tagging in for the great GC uh, on No Bets Barred this week. Uh, myself and Jed, I'm actually going to be making some betting selections on this card, and then I will be making betting selections next week as well. Uh, we'll do some betting for UFC Vegas 81. We'll do some betting for Misfits Boxing, the prime card as well. Um, all right, I'm going to try the YouTube boxing store one more time. It doesn't work, and we got to move on. Do we have you? No, we don't. Okay. Well, that's it, everybody. So, uh, as far as this show goes, we'll be back here on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. We'll BTL Thursday as well. But until then, my friends, have a great rest of your Tuesday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.